I'm the new host uh, for that podcast. I was so, wondering who will be the new host of this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's Amazon. Okay. Uh, but these people get it. They get you. They're entrepreneurs. They understand. So the top hacks, how they're supposed to go about the budget, how they're supposed to manage their budget when they're launching their products on Amazon. The only person making money is Amazon, not you. And so a lot of people fail. So you have to know your numbers. Uh, how I supposed to calculate the minimum amount of the low and long tail keywords for my uh, product. So if someone is searching for a product and everybody else is 1995, but mine is so cheap, it's $5 or $7. Now you're losing your buy box. Now you cannot advertise your product at the price that you want to. Sometimes if your first seven, re I had a product one time I launched as a dog treat and the first seven reviews were one star. You take classes, or you take a course or you listen to people like you or watch podcasts and you're like, okay, I got this, I got this, let's go do this. It was, a lot of them have some big failures. And I mean, I lost uh, 2020, me and my partners lost over a million dollars selling on Amazon on, on, a, on a brand. Well, Vanessa said, Bella, you're going after me. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, Isabella Reed's Amazon Made Simple podcast, and today I have a very special guest. It's a king of our Amazon community with a very similar last name, and today we're going to talk about the best hacks, how to sell on Amazon, what to sell on Amazon, and the most expensive mistakes. But before we will jump into the topic, we're going to talk also about the upcoming event that the most uh sellers the most advanced sellers are going to um present and are going to visit and i'm going to speak there as well this summer in august 14 august 19 2022 kevin king welcome to my podcast for russian speaking community and for everyone else thank you for joining me today thank you for having me i'm, I'm happy to be here it's nice to see you Isabel. Yeah, nice to see you too. To my knowledge, you started Amazon about like 20 years ago, e-commerce, right? Yeah, I started uh, selling in 2001 on Amazon, back before uh, a lot of uh, the current systems and FBA and all that kind of stuff existed. So can you tell us a little bit more what was happening in 2001 with the e-commerce and with Amazon and like how, what did you do? Uh, what did you sell? How did you choose the products back to that time? And what is the actual difference in between what was there and what is today? Yeah, back in back in 2001, I was selling, sometimes I was using Amazon like eBay. So I, Amazon had, you know, just like they have now where you can sell your used items. It says, sometimes they'll say sell yours. So I was using that to like sell my old uh, DVD player or sell my old record player or something like that, or sell DVDs. Like, I was changing from uh, normal DVDs to Blu-ray around, around the time those came out. So I was selling my old ones. And then I have a company that does calendars. Uh, so it's a seasonal business. And we were selling to Amazon through a program uh, called the Advantage Program. I think it still exists, but it's for books, media, and DVDs. And so they would buy basically on consignment from us. So we would get a, an order. Back then, it was for like a, 200 units or something. It was pretty small because Amazon wasn't as big. And we would send them the 200 calendars and they would sell them and only pay for pay us for what sold. So we did that for, for quite some time. But in 2015 is when I actually started doing what most people consider selling on Amazon now, the, the FBA model. 
where you're you're finding products in China or or Europe or Vietnam or India or somewhere, and you're you're private labeling them and selling them on Amazon. So I started doing that business model in 2015. But I was getting checks from Amazon for things I sold for 14 years before that. This is uh, incredible, especially when you know that people started in 2001. And in 2001, I was just, I just, it, it's been a year that I just graduated. I didn't know anything about e-commerce. I just touched internet like in 2000, in, yeah, in the, the year of the 2000, I touched the internet and I created my first email back to that time where you've been already doing business online. Um, how did you go from first sales to, to 2015 when you started your business on Amazon with the like FBA uh, format to create the huge event, uh, which is the Billion Dollar Seller Summit that is happening every year and everybody are talking about this event. And now it's so huge to the point that not even everybody can uh, get in every single year. Yeah, so I, I've been doing e-commerce uh, for since even before I started selling on Amazon. In 1995, I think I started my first website. And we, we were selling, uh, we had a collectible business like baseball cards and uh, we had the calendars and some other things. And so we were, we set up a little website. This is before Google existed. Back then it was Yahoo and Alta Vista and Lycos were the big search engines. So we set up a little website to, to sell our products. Uh, we were doing direct mail. So like physical catalogs, you know, like you get in your mailbox uh, before that. Uh, so that's my background. So I did that for quite some time. And then uh, around 2014, 2015, I, I stumbled across uh, a web a, a seminar for Amazing.com. You know, they were uh, they had a big course and they were doing like a, a four part series and saying how you can sell on Amazon. and And I watched their their four part series and I was like, uh, I don't need to pay them five thousand dollars for this. I I know exactly how to do this. I've been doing this. I just didn't know you could do that that part of the business on Amazon. So. That's how it switched in 2015 to that. And so I launched five brands in 2015. We, we had a couple hundred thousand dollars to start with. Uh, some of the products I designed myself, uh, had the molds made, did the whole thing. Other ones was the traditional private label, find a factory and change it a little bit and put your name on it. And in 20, early 2016, the uh, guys that uh, I was listening to podcasts, because back then there wasn't nearly as much information and there weren't all the software tools, but I was listening to all the podcasts I could find on the space. And there's one called the AMPM podcast by, by Manny Coates. And which uh, at that time he was just a seller and he was kind of documenting his journey. And uh, then he started a software company called Helium 10. Uh, and that podcast became the, the Helium 10 podcast. Now uh, Tim Jordan was holding after Manny exited the company, Tim Jordan started to host it. Uh, and then they started another one called serious sellers, which Bradley, Sutton host now, and now the AM podcast. I'm starting to host it, starting uh, in just a few weeks. I'm the new host uh, for that podcast. I was so, wondering who will be the new host of this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and uh, thank you. And Manny Coates is going to be the first guest, so we're going to be talking about the uh, the story and kind of what he's up to these days, and what are some of the new ways to launch products on Amazon using um, Web 3.0, like NFTs and stuff like that, and some cool, cool, cool stuff. But so Manny, uh, back in 2016, he had a Facebook group for his podcast and he posted uh, a message uh, or, or some people were talking in there about different ways to launch your product and different marketing tips. And what the information that was being given was was false uh, the, by the by the users. They were just talking about things. And one guy said, oh, this is how it works. And everybody started believing this guy. And I was like, no, no, that is not how it works. 
So I posted a message and kind of called them out. And, and uh, Manny saw that and he liked what I said. And so he said, hey, uh, would you, he reached out to me. Would you come on the podcast? I'm like, no, I'm just a seller. I don't really want to go on the podcast. I'm just selling. He said, I'll just come on the podcast. Uh, so I, I went on the podcast in March of 2016. And um, I just kind of said it like it is. You know, some people you get on a podcast, they talk uh, very corporate or they talk in generalities. And I talk very specific. And I said, you know, this is bullshit. This doesn't work this way. This this is how you do it. These are the tips. And people just really liked it and became its most popular podcast. So other people heard that. They started to invite me on their podcast. And then I started to get invited to speak. So I spoke, you know, I spoke in the Ukraine at a big event for Russian speakers in the I Ukraine and Kiev. Ukraine, I believe, um, right? Yeah, a few years ago, I spoke all over the world at uh, all kinds of events for Amazon sellers. Uh, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do my own event uh, for the high level sellers uh, called the Billion Dollar Seller Summit. So it's for mostly people doing seven, eight or nine figures a year on Amazon. It's very exclusive. It's expensive to come, but it's all the high level tactics and I don't let the speakers just talk about uh, general things that you might see at another conference. It's got to be very tactical and very, very high level. And so that's how that whole process evolved uh, from me just being a seller, not really wanting to do anything to going on a podcast and becoming popular. And then everybody wanted me to come on their podcast. This is awesome. Uh, you just uh, opened kind of miracle for me because I was so curious about uh, who is taking over of AMPM podcast. <laughs> It was like a, such a big secret. Nobody talked about it. I knew the children <laughs> is not there anymore. And it's a, like such a big deal. And I honestly didn't know that uh, you become uh, popular because you started going on the podcasts and you've been just a seller. I also didn't know this fact. And it's uh, it's a kind of a great uh, story of success when you guys want to uh, become public person and you're in the shadow. This is how you start uh, being visible by society. You just start giving advice and people are noticing if that the advice is actually BS free. Uh, my question is, uh, when people are going to BDSS, what is the most value for them? Uh, you mentioned that it's a high, uh, high topics, like advanced, uh, no, nothing is like for beginners. However, when people are starting their business on Amazon and they have investments and if they want to go, do you think it's too early for them or they can join to understand what's, uh, what will happen in a year or two when they were, their sales will be scaling and they will start increasing their sales to like top of the roof? Yeah, I think, I think the event like the Billion Dollar Seller Summit is probably too advanced for a beginner. Uh, if you, you know, if you're already selling and you're doing five hundred thousand or a million dollars a year, you'll probably get some benefit. If you're doing millions or tens of millions of dollars, you'll get tremendous benefit. So the speakers are are carefully curated by me, uh, like yourself. You're going to be a speaker in August, uh, and you know, and you even had I didn't just call you and say, hey, would you like to come speak? You had to like make a little you made a little presentation to me, like this is what I'm going to do. You kind of had to prove yourself, uh, which. I know you're good, but everybody has to do that. So it's a very high level of speaker. It's not just, okay, who's available, who will come. It's uh, I, So I'm very picky on that. And then, so you get some benefit there, but probably the best benefit is it's five days and it's a lot of networking. So you're hanging around with other people that are like you. You know, when, you, when you're at your house and you're talking to your husband or your family, they'll just look at you like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. What's this Amazon? Okay. Uh, but these people get it. They get you. They're entrepreneurs. They understand. And so it's fun to be around other people that are similar to you and you, 
there and then you're having drinks you're having fun you're going and the networking is probably the biggest benefit you the connections you make it's and sometimes the best stuff is not shared on the stage it's shared when you're at the bar or when you're at one of the activities that we we organize for the for the event and someone's just you know you're on the bus uh, that we take everybody on to go to to one of the events and you're talking to the guy the, the person next to you and and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could do this with the PPC, or I didn't know, uh, you know, things come out, and and then you make connections with friends that, that if you have a problem, or you you need a strategy, or maybe you need to hire somebody, you're like, oh, I know exactly who to call. You know, I met this guy at the event, so th- that's where the big value is in these events. Is you do learn a lot of stuff and the stuff you take away, but I think it's more in the connections and the human interactions is where the the, the biggest value is. I agree when you want to when you want to ask the very specific question that is related only your product or only your brand and you cannot ask this prod, this question in public it's the right place to go and the right place to ask. Given I have a question about um couple I think couple weeks ago I saw your podcast with uh, Howard Ty where you've been sharing uh some um some hacks about how you're working with the suppliers and how much money you're supposed to invest into the products. And I heard mm-hmm. you been mentioning that if you're going to launch your product on Amazon and you have a thousand dollar, like ten thousand dollars, you have to multiply it by two and a half uh, because this is the best way to go about it when you're managing your expectations and you are actually creating your budget and you're trying to understand how much money you want to spend on your first product. Yeah. So yes. can you please give us the best hacks for the sellers who are who probably failed already and they don't understand why they failed. So the top hacks, how they're supposed to go about the budget, how they're supposed to manage their budget when they're launching their products on Amazon. And uh, the most expensive mistakes, it will be two questions in one, and the most expensive mistake that... Uh, they will have the most expensive price that they will have to pay for their mistakes if they will not avoid uh, this type of steps or this type of turns or actions. Yeah, there's a lot new sellers. There's a lot of mistakes I see new sellers make, and you know, in the trainings that I do, and the speaker speaking that I do, and the people that I meet, it's usually the new sellers don't understand their margins and their numbers. They think uh, you know. A lot of times you'll hear someone say, uh, "I'm selling my product for ten dollars." Uh, and I bought it for $2, so I have an 80% profit margin because they're dividing the two by the 10 and they think they have 80% profit margin. No, you, you don't. You probably have a negative profit margin because they don't factor in all the costs. So in this business, you have to know all your numbers. And that's not just the cost of the product, but that's the the, the shipping to get it to, uh, to, to the U.S. If that's where you're selling, the shipping to get it from the U.S. port to Amazon, the storage fees. The, the duties, the taxes, the Amazon fees, uh, your marketing costs, you got to know all your all your money. And most people don't understand that. So the first thing is you got to be good at numbers and you have to have a good spreadsheet. You know, the tools on Amazon where you can see the profitability of something, the little free tools, they're a good starting place, but there, there's a lot more to it than that. And I see too many times people, will, they, they'll say, yeah, my landed cost, which is the cost of the product plus the shipping and taxes uh, is you know, say $7 and they're selling it for $11.99. And they're wondering why they're not, they're not making any money. It's you don't have enough margin in there. Amazon's going to take 15%. In most cases, there's going to be a fulfillment fee from a, a few bucks to a lot of dollars, depending on how heavy and big your item is. You're going to have some advertising costs. You're going to have some storage costs. So 
the only person making money is Amazon, not you. Uh, and so a lot of people fail. So you have to know your numbers. And then another t problem is a lot of people, they invest, they take some savings, they invest their savings into their new business or, or they borrow some money from a friend or put it on a credit card or whatever. And they don't think it all the way through and they're successful. They actually do a good job and you know, they listen to you and they listen to other, other people and they make a good listing, they have the right keywords, all those things. And, and they succeed, but then when they run out of stock, they, they, they're out of stock because they sell too fast and they don't have enough money to, to make, make the new order. So what I always tell people is just divide whatever investment you have by two and a half. So let's say you have $10,000 that you saved up to start your Amazon business. Well, then you divide that by 2.5, that's $4,000. You take 10,000 divided by 2.5, it's 4,000. So you need to find a product that landed cost, so that's the cost from the factory plus all the shipping plus any of the taxes and duties, uh, which sometimes can be 30, 40% onto your cost. Uh, a lot of people forget about because most products coming from China right now have a 25% tariff on, and then a duty on top of that in some cases. So it can be significant. And so you have $4,000 to, to manufacture the product and get it here. And people say, well, what about the other $6,000? What, what am I, why don't I spend that? It's because if you're successful, you're going to need to, to pay the factory and make a new order before you sell out of the first one. So if you take your product and you start putting it up on Amazon and start selling well, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is going greater than I thought. You're going to get on the phone. You're going to call the factory and say, hey, I, I need a, I need some more. And maybe this time, instead of ordering 500, you need 1,000 because the sales are going so good. Well, it's going to take the factory some time to make it. And so you have to you have to build that in. So you can't just wait till you sell out because the worst thing you can do on Amazon is to sell out of a product. If you sell out a product, then you're basically starting over when you relaunch it and at a disadvantage, and it, it, it just doesn't work as well. So you want to maintain that momentum. And a lot of times, Amazon's not going to pay you for, for weeks. So maybe you sell the product and it's going well, but Amazon holds the money uh, for it's usually about three weeks because yeah. they have to ship it. And then it's another two weeks, usually every two-week cycle for most people. So it's a three- to four-week period. So you don't have that money. So you need that money for to place that next order. Plus you need some money maybe for a software tool, maybe for some advertising. So uh, maybe to have a package design. So that's why I always tell people at least uh, have two and a half times more than, than what your initial inventory costs. If you could do even three or four times, that's even better. But too many people, they spend all their money on that first product and then they're left, uh, uh, you know, maybe with a success, but they can't continue it because they didn't think it all the way through. And so that, that's why I, I advise people to do that. And then you got to look at the margins. So if you're selling a product, I like to see at least a four or five X margin. So that means the higher, the better. But if the product costs three dollars, that means if you just, you know, before you do all your calculations on a spreadsheet, if you find out from Alibaba, the product costs three dollars, the minimum you should sell that for is about fifteen dollars, maybe twelve dollars, because take that number by four multiply the three by four or three by five, and that should be about the minimum. The higher, the better. So that's another mistake I see a lot of people make is they don't have the, the right margins. You know, like I gave the example where the product costs $7 and they're selling it for $11.99. That, you know, if you take seven times four, that's 28. That means that $7 product should be selling for about $28. Um, three and a half would be like the lowest I would ever go, unless it's a really expensive item. You know, if you're selling a $500 microwave, it doesn't have to have that same margin, but anything under $100 needs to have a, ideally a four or five X margin in there to, to make sure you cover all your fulfillment fees, all your costs, all your advertising.
And a lot of people miss that. And, and they, they don't quite understand the math and how profit is calculated. And they may have deposits coming into their bank account, but they're actually not making profit. Only Amazon is. And so they give it up and say, this doesn't work. You know, you can, nobody can make money on Amazon, uh, which is it's not true. Amazon's still the best place to sell and the best place to make money. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's, it's actually hard. Uh, and it can be quite competitive, but there's still a lot of opportunity out there. I absolutely agree. Thank you so much for sharing. And here's um, another question. A lot of people are finding the product and then they're taking their time. They are starting talking to the suppliers. They're doing the research. They're checking something else. And then eight months later, they decided finally that they're going to launch this product. Do you have any tips? What person supposed to do uh, before they launch their product that they found uh, eight months ago or a year ago? Yeah, they should revalidate it. So you, you're going to have to, if you found a product a year ago and it took you some time to save the money or you're, you were just a little bit afraid to, to do it because what if it doesn't work or you want to learn a little bit more, but you still want to go with that product, you need to redo all your research. It's basically throw everything out from one year ago. Maybe you have the price for the factory that, you know, if you just talk to them. So make sure that price is still good because things can change on the pricing and then go redo Amazon, depending on if you're using Jungle Scout or Helium 10 or whatever your tool is of choice, uh, do the X-ray if it's Helium 10. Uh, and then what I like to do is I use Datadive. Datadive, I think, uh, have you used Datadive? Uh, yes. Well? After you told me that I have to, I started using them and we subscribed already, I believe about 30 or 35 people from our community to Datadive and everybody are very happy with them. Yeah, I think that's one of the best tools out there. Brandon, uh, I, I know him well. He's a super smart guy. He, he started that tool uh, like three and a half years ago for himself, and he was doing it on spreadsheets. And I saw him make a presentation in China. He and I were presenting over there about it, and I was like, that's really smart, but that's a lot of freaking work. It's like taking a day to do an analysis uh, with all these spreadsheets, and he's automated the whole process now to where you can get these answers in like two or three minutes. It's, it's amazing. And so what the data dive tool does is it sits on top of helium 10. So you have to have a helium 10 subscription. And you know, when you're in the x-ray, you can hit, uh, hit some buttons and it will take you to this tool that will really analyze all the competition, find all the keywords. It will, say, it will tell you how good they are. So it'll tell you like how good this, the competition is at selling on Amazon. And so you know what you're up against. And sometimes I'll pull up a, a, a great opportunity and it'll say, nine out of 10 people are really good at Amazon. That means that they're ranking for all the top keywords are in good positions. Uh, and so I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be super hard for me to beat these guys. Cause they know what they're doing. Maybe they, they listen to, to your, to your teachings and then they're like, okay, they know what they're doing. Or, or other times we pull that up and it says only one of them is good. And like three of them are average and like six of them are, are really bad. Uh, I'm like, okay, this is a great opportunity because uh, I know what I'm doing. I can come in here and I can beat these guys. Maybe I don't beat the best one, but if I can get to the second spot, it, it's good enough uh, and I'm going to make a lot of money. So that tool is really, really powerful. So that's something that we use. I use brand analytics a lot uh, for for research. I don't use uh, some of the other tools out there that, that come up with product ideas because everybody's using those same tools. I like to have my own with uh, brand analytics. Um, so that's where I start because everything for me starts with the demand on Amazon. So it starts with where is the keyword demand? Um, and that's what I want. That's what brand analytics will tell you. And, you know, some tools like Helium 10 now, they'll tell you the estimated sales per keyword. If you're, if you're an elite member, it's only for the, the top level members, but they have something that, 
you know, Tryon from Romania has this too. Tryon Turku, if you know who he is. Um, but there's a few tools that they've they figured out a formula and they estimate the actual sales. So you can see like a keyword, you know, everybody knows the search volume, uh, but that doesn't always mean that's the best keyword because sometimes keywords with a lot lower search volume have more sales right. than the ones that have a lot of search volume. So these tools estimate a pretty good formula that comes pretty close. So you can put that kind of data in. You can really know what to, what to target. And so when you launch a product, I never go after the big keywords. So a lot of people, they get uh, dream they get dreams in their eyes and they want to have big sales right away. I always start with the lower keywords and then I work my way up to the more uh, popular, more search for keywords. What, uh, uh, based on your opinion, what is the low lowest uh, volume keyword uh, that you will look at with the sales? Like, what is the number of the lowest? So, so, uh, as far as sales, uh, I'm looking for at least one, ideally one sale a day minimum. Okay, no, so I mean one, the, the one. lowest uh, keyword search volume. Oh, search volume about three hundred. So, okay. Somewhere around around three hundred. That's uh, fair. Is is about is, unless one of the tools says differently, and sometimes Helium Ten will say something with one hundred fifty search volume has seventy five sales uh, a month, and I'm like, oh, that's a good keyword. You know, half the people it's, it means it's really niche, a really deep keyword, and a lot of people probably aren't ranking on it, and so that could be a good opportunity too. But you put together enough of those. This one's making you a sell a day. This one's making you one every other day. This one's making you two. Pretty soon, you know, you're selling 20, 30, 40 units a day. And you don't have to worry about the big the big keyword that has 20,000 searches a month that everybody's trying to, to rank for. That's nearly impossible. Uh, or if you get there, maybe you don't stay in, in, the, in the first page. Go after the smaller ones. And then if you're able to use root keywords that have that big keyword in it, then you're going to slowly rank higher and higher and higher. And eventually, maybe after six months or a year, maybe you'll be somewhere on page one for that big keyword without even trying just because you sold so many uh, uh, of the keywords below it in the ranking. Right. Uh, do you have any uh, hacks? How many, uh, what is the minimum indexing, uh, amount of indexing lower, low search volume keywords supposed to contain one product? So if I'm going to launch, for example, water glass, and I'm looking at the lowest, lowest, lowest ranking keywords. And let's say I can find right now a thousand of those keywords that are relevant and they probably given me some sales. Uh, how I supposed to calculate the minimum amount of the low and long tail keywords for my uh, product and uh, what's supposed to be my assumptions and predictions, how many of these low ranking keywords I supposed to have for my product and like medium searching keywords for my product and high top ranking keywords. So do you have any hacks about it? Yeah, lot, I, most in most does products there are exceptions. Does it make sense what I'm trying to say? I think so. Yeah. Most products, uh, when you do a search, you know, you'll see that this is, you get a list of 3000 or 5,000 keywords sometimes that this is indexed for, but just because it's indexed doesn't mean it's making sales. It just means that it's somewhere in the listing and Amazon is, is picking it up, uh, but it doesn't mean it's making sales. Is it, I'm looking for what's on page one or page two. So anything for if it's indexing and you get 3000, the first thing I do is I filter, get rid of all the ones that, uh, nobody's ranking on page one or two for it because that usually means that it's not relevant, um, even though it's indexing for it. And that, that'll cut your list in, down. And then I start going through and looking for them. And, and most products on Amazon make their sales off of about five to 10 keywords. There's five or 10 main keywords that drive most of the sales. 
And then you have all the ones below that that are driving, like we just talked about, one or two sales, uh, a small amount. So I usually focus on about 20 keywords. Uh, even if the product has hundreds or thousands of keywords, I usually find, okay, these are the 20. And I usually have a list. Okay, these are the ones I'm going to start with because they're easier. They're, they're lower search volume, but they're still making some sales. I can rank for them. So maybe the people that are competing on those aren't quite as good or some of the other, the other listings are, are missing those. Um, and then I will make another list of here's the top ones that I'll eventually want to rank for. So I focus mostly on about 20 keywords. Now, the others, I will try to put them in my listing. So I will make sure, you know, some of those words are my bullet points and my, my description and other places so that I get indexed. But I don't really focus on all those. I might run those in a PPC campaign, just a, a little bit to see what happens. But there's usually, like I said, about 20 that I focus on. And that, that's the strategy because you can just you can spread yourself too thin. And, and start just worrying about too many things. And, and then I think that can uh, actually be a bad thing uh, instead of a good thing in some cases. Uh, you mentioned PPC campaign. So if I will do the, a little bit of the backup and the moment we're launching the product, how could we predict and how we can estimate the amount of money and the amount of budget we have to um, have to launch this specific product? How do you go about it? Yeah. That that's a hard question to give you a specific answer uh, because it depends on your product and how competitive it is and what the price is. But I, I assume the first month, my A cost is going to be about 150%. So when I first launch a product, I'm, I'm having to pay just like if you go into your local grocery store in the United States and you see something on the end of the shelf, you know, you're walking down the aisles and on the end, it's called the end cap on the very end of the aisle. Like uh, when you go between aisles, there's uh, some chips and, you know, promotion. They had to pay to be there. That wasn't that wasn't for free. So they're paying there to get noticed. So it's the same thing on Amazon. You got to pay to get noticed if you don't have your own audience, especially that you can drive traffic from. And so PPC is part of that, and it proves to Amazon the algorithm that you're relevant for keywords where people buy. So what a lot of times what I do is I lower my price for my product because when you first launch a product, you know you used used to be able to use search find buy. And there's all these rebates and all these tricks. And some people still use that stuff. Uh, but Amazon really is, is cracking down on that, doesn't, doesn't like it. Like I said, some people still do it uh, and it works for them, but you have to be careful. But what I, I do is, if you, especially if you don't have an audience, if you have an audience of customers, I'm not talking about running Facebook ads or something, but if you have an audience of previous customers that already know you, that, that, that's great. You can launch to, and that's the perfect way. But if you don't have that, and what I do is I, I lower my price really low. Um, and I know I'm going to lose some money. And so I, I, if my price is say 1995 is the price I want to sell my product for, I might lower it to the break even and maybe my break even, and even I might lose a little bit of money is say $7 or something uh, really, really low because I don't have any reviews. So the first thing I do is I get in the buying program and try to get at least uh, some reviews there. Hopefully uh, I don't incentivize. I don't do any crazy tricks that some people do. But I'll, I'll get in the buy-in. Maybe you'll get some there. But then it takes time. You got to sell some. So if if you don't have reviews, people don't trust you uh, on Amazon. You need about 20, 21 reviews is like the magic number that most statistics say is to to, to actually where people start trusting you. So until you get to that point, it's hard. So I just want to make it an irresistible offer. So if someone is searching for a product and everybody else is nineteen ninety five, but mine is so cheap, it's five dollars or seven dollars. Uh, and even though it doesn't have reviews or maybe it has one review or something, people are like, wow, that's a really good price. 
what's five bucks, you know, I'll, I'll risk $5. Uh, it looks good. The listing looks good. The pictures look good, but I'll, I'll buy it. And so that's why I lower the price and then run heavy PPC to prove to Amazon that, that I'm relevant for that and to start getting some sales. And then I'll slowly raise my price over about the two month period from maybe $5 to $6. And then the next week it goes to $7 and slowly raise it up as the reviews come. And once I get to 21 reviews or more, either through Vine or through uh, just people buying it and leaving the reviews, I, I will then hopefully have the price back at the profitable point. So that whole time uh, for one month or maybe two months, I'm basically not making any money. I'm losing money uh, just to get my product into into the position where it could start making money. And a lot of people don't think that in some ca some categories, you don't have to even do that. There's just no competition. It's not necessary. But in a lot of categories now with Amazon being so competitive, you've, you've got to do crazy things like this and you got to build that into your budget and be prepared. And, and that's hard for some people because they, they want to start making a profit from the first day. Uh, but you, you can't. It's, it's an investment and you have to it's kind of like working out. You know, when you first if you if you've been if you're fat and it's been sitting on the couch eating uh, chips and ice cream and all day and cookies all day long. And then all of a sudden you decide you're going to work out. You're not going to be the, the muscle guy in the gym, you know, in a week. Uh, it, it, you got to work at it, work at it, work at it and take some time and be devoted to it go through the pain of the exercise and getting up early and your muscles hurting the next day and everything. It's the same thing selling on Amazon. And a lot of people, they're ready to quit their job or ready to change their life immediately. And it's a process. It's not, it's not immediate. Yeah. It's uh, not coming so, uh, yeah, so you, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. So when you're saying we're lowering the price, Sometimes Amazon can penalize you and punish you for that. And then Amazon can do something like now you're losing your buy box. Now you cannot advertise your product at the price that you want to. So what do you do? That's true. With yeah. What do you, you do? Set, how you, how you like prevent the situations? Yeah. If you don't set your price bands, Amazon might compare you to everybody else and think you made a mistake. So that they take the buy box away. So if your price is 1995 and all of a sudden it's $5, Amazon's like, oh, this must be, they just made a mistake in Seller Central. And so let's let's take the buy box away to make sure that, you know, the, the seller doesn't come and complain to me later that, hey, why did you sell all my things at a cheap price? This is not fair. You, you killed me. So that can happen. So what you want to do is you want to go into Seller Central, into the manage inventory. And up on the top right side, there's something, uh, this little preferences tab. And if you click on that preferences tab, it will open up some additional columns. And you can click on one that says low price and one that says high price. And that will add some columns to your seller central uh, on your manage inventory page. And you can go in there and you can set the price. You can say my low price is $3 and my high price is $40, even though your, your normal price is $19.95. And then, then when you make any change within that pricing band, Amazon will not penalize you or take the buy box away. I love because I love what you're mentioning because a lot of people they don't know these small tricks and evil is in details and if you don't know these details you can lose your business on Amazon and have uh, your two thousand items storing and just keep uh, selling your product for five ninety nine and keep losing money. Um, another question I also had for you and probably it will be one of the last ones: When uh, will you consider the product as a failure product? So let's assume you you launch the product and uh, what's supposed to be ACAS and like what's supposed to happen when you'll say, okay, this product didn't work. So I like to get over time after about, I like to give a product. I mean, sometimes, you know, a product's a failure from the beginning. Sometimes if your first seven, re, I had a product one time I launched as a dog treat 
and the first seven reviews were one star and everybody was getting the product and uh, you know, something happened with the packaging. We didn't package it right. We didn't seal it right. So when they were coming, these things, these, they stunk. And when the dog ate it, it, it gave them poo poo. It just, it, it was, it was really, really bad. Uh, so I knew, okay, that's it. Cancel the product, throw everything away. I lose a bunch of money. Uh, but for the most products, I like to give it about six months uh, to see what, what's going to happen because it takes a little while to launch, a little while to get momentum, a little while for you to figure out the right keywords. So then after six months, I hope to see that my A cost is not my A cost. I look at tacos. Tacos is your total A cost. Um, most people, I don't know if you understand the difference, but A cost is the cost for individual for the sales for advertising. So if I sell, if I sell 100 units of my item, and let's say 50 of those I sell because of my advertising and say 50 of those I sell people just organically find me just by doing a search. And let's say I spend uh, uh, $100 in advertising uh, for PPC. Well, an A cost, if I spend $100 and I made 50 sales off of, off of that, depends. On, and let's say the item is, I'm just doing math in my head, say the item is uh, $10, that's a 20% A cost. But if I take that $100 and divide it by the 100 units I sold at $10 each of a thousand, that's a 10% taco. So I look at the, the advertising as a total cost for every item, whether it came from advertising or not. So the tacos is the total advertising spend for all the sales, not just for the PPC sales. And so I want that to be about 10% ideally or lower after six months. And then I have a rule that if the product is not, not making at least $3,000 profit per month, after six months, I get rid of the product. Now, for some people, that would be a great product and they would keep it. And depending on where you live, you know, maybe that's life changing for you. But for me, it's too much hassle because I got, I, and I'm the type of person, I don't like to have a lot of products. Some people like to have hundreds or thousands of products. And it's okay for them if one makes $100 a month in profit and another one makes a thousand, they're like, okay, when I add it all up, I'd make a big profit. But for me, that's a lot of work. You need more employees, you need more warehouse, it's more factories, more hassle. I like to, have a smaller portfolio of 15 or 20 products. It's easily manageable. Uh, and I, I have, I spread my risk. So if a product is not made, it's like a stock. If a stock is, I, I can invest in another stock and make a better return, I'll take the money and do it. So if I'm not making a, about a $3,000 profit per product after six months, the products that aren't, I usually will just sell through what I have and I'll try to find something to replace it that can make me a five or 10 or $20,000 profit per month. And that's just my my way of doing it uh, to keep everything manageable and small and, and nimble. Because for me, it's not about how much how much money I can make. I don't need to brag my chest and say I have a ten million dollar business. Because if I have a five million dollar business with less products and I'm happier and it's easier and I don't have as many hassles and I'm making enough money to make my life pleasant, then it's good enough. Um, so, so that, that that's what I look at it. Thank you. Uh, another, pro I have two last questions. Sure. <laughs> so when people are launching their products, how many products would you recommend to launch in the beginning to make sure Amazon will recognize you as a new seller and Amazon will not let you down pretty fast just because you have one product or maybe one product is enough? Yeah, I think if you don't have experience in e-commerce, I think you should start with one product. If you've been doing this, maybe you've already sold on Shopify, maybe you've already sourced in China for your another business, or you have some experience, you could launch more than one. Like when I launched, I launched five. 
uh, but I had a lot of experience, like we talked about earlier. I've been doing this for a while. But for a new seller, I would recommend one. And the reason one is because most people fail on their first product. The first product for most people is a learning. You go, you take classes or you take a course or you listen to people like you or watch podcasts and you're like, okay, I got this. I got this. Let's go do this. And then you launch your first product and you're like, holy cow, I didn't, I forgot about this or I didn't realize that there's going to be this tax or something. Or I didn't know Amazon was going to do this or hold my money. And you find out all kinds of things. And if you have a bunch of products, it can put you at higher risk and more headaches. So I recommend one. And then have have the other's ideas when you're doing your research. Maybe you already have the, the ideas. You already talked to the factory for number two, number three, number four. Maybe you already started the packaging if, if you have some some money to do that. But you haven't actually made the final order yet. And get that first one under your belt because you're going to learn a lot. It's kind of like a when you're watching the podcast and taking the courses, you're getting your, your bachelor's degree from the university. When you actually launch a product, you're getting your master's degree. And so after you have your master's degree, then you know, okay, now I, I can be really good and go get my doctorate. Uh, and well, some that's, people that's, PhD. <laughs> that's yeah, the PhD or doctorate, yeah. yeah. But that's so that's what that's what I recommend. Uh, and then get your feet wet. You know, you're not going to jump in the uh, just because you took a couple swimming lessons in the local swimming pool doesn't mean you're ready to go swim across the English Channel. Uh, you know, it, get your feet wet, learn a little bit. And, and then come back and be ready to, to add product two, three, four, or maybe your first product is a failure and you learn so much from it. And some people give up at that point. They're like, ah, this thing just didn't work. But a lot of times if you take what you learned and the mistakes that you made and do it on your second product, boom, you have an instant success. So uh, a lot of big sellers now that are exiting their company for millions of dollars, selling to the aggregators and stuff, you can ask them. Uh, a lot of them don't like to talk about it. They're not going to be on the podcast talking about it, but it was a lot of them have some big failures. And I mean, I lost uh, 2020, me and my partners lost over a million dollars selling on Amazon on, on a, on a brand. Uh, so it, it happens, but that doesn't mean I'm like, Oh, I lost over a million dollars. I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, no, I st- I've got a brand new company launching right now on Amazon. I still sell on Amazon. You know, some people that go on podcast or, uh, or teach, they, they quit selling. Um, uh, I still have four companies on Amazon that uh, I'm involved in. We sell, so um, I think and I think that's important. If you're going to teach people, you need to be doing it, not uh, t- telling them techniques from uh, two or three years ago or five years ago. No, you you can't. It it it's not how it works. And Amazon is super f- like flexible. Your changes are making every happening every single mm-hmm. day have to know what is going on and like sometimes i i was not an amazon account sort account like two days and then like oh a new button let me see what's happened <laughs> yeah. Yeah. at least 48 hours that i was not logging in uh statistically speaking how many uh products usually failing it depends on uh, it depends for me i i have about an 80 percent success rate and i know what i'm doing so about 20 percent of my stuff just doesn't work uh but for the average person, you know, I, I don't know what the number is of, of brand new, but I know you can just look at how many new sellers accounts get started every year and how many people are actually making over $100,000 a year. And it's a pretty small number. So that means a lot of people either just they never they never execute. They never actually pull that trigger after eight months of doing their research and do it or they, they fail. Um, but Amazon doesn't care. They make money off of everybody. Uh, so even if you go on and you sell five five products doesn't matter they've made money from you they didn't lose anything so they don't care but i think there's 
the, the failure rate's pretty high. Uh, probably, if I had to guess, it's probably uh, probably about ninety percent of the people who try to sell on Amazon fail. Uh, and that the reason is a lot of them, like we talked about earlier, they don't do the math right. They don't think it all the way through, or they they pick a, a product that they think they can sell and it's just too competitive, or they don't understand that you got to differentiate it. You got to be able to stand out. Um, just there's a lot to this and a lot to understand, but once you get it, it can be an amazing business. Yeah, I concur with your statistics and with your estimate. It's 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 close to tr- to the truth. Yeah, um, and um, at the end of the conversation, I actually like till you keep talking. I'm like, I want to ask this. I want to ask this. I want to <laughs> ask this. But we can save it for another time. And um, at the end of the day, uh, what would you recommend to the sellers who are start launching their business on Amazon, what they're thinking? Should they hire a company and the team who will work for them or should they learn based on their mistakes? Uh, it depends on your comfort level. You know, some people, if you're going to hire a company, there are some really good companies, but there's a lot of really bad ones too. So you, you got to be careful. But if you're going to hire a company to do it for you, um, just do your homework on the company and make sure that they really know what they're doing and ask them for examples of past clients, ask to talk to past clients. But it's always good to know a little bit yourself because if you just say, here's my, I have $50,000, here you go, please uh, make me some profit. Uh, you don't really know what's going on. So it's, I think it's always good to have a basic, a general idea so that you can talk to them. So when they say, uh, yeah, we're going to try to lower the A cost, you're like, what the heck is that? I don't understand. Um, you know, if you have a basic idea, and you've launched a product yourself or been at least involved in part of the process along the way, uh, I think it's going to help you. Uh, And sometimes the company may go away. You're bugging us. Just let us do our thing. Uh, But, but in the end, I think it can be, it's a partnership and it can be good. So be careful with some of the done for you services. There's a lot of them out there that make big promises and it doesn't happen, but someone that has experience, and has the knowledge can can make a big difference uh, for some people. So it just depends on whether you want to be the entrepreneur or you want to be the investor. I agree. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, I see you at the BDSS, probably somewhere else earlier too. Awesome. Looking forward to having you in August. It's going to be awesome. Excited yeah. to, Excited for it. Yeah, I'm already preparing and we're also thinking uh, to include uh, how we're going to calculate AdSpy and how we integrate it into the math when we're choosing the product. So my team is working under the formula right now to include it into my presentation. (laughs) So we hope we will make it happen and it will be something really advanced and interesting for your audience. Yeah, Uh, you might win that prize, the cash prize for the best speaker. Well, Vanessa said, Bella, you're going after me. I said, no, (laughs) 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 I am not. (laughs) I'm almost every single night in the shower. I'm thinking how I'm going uh, to present uh, at the VDSS. So until August 14th, (laughs) my mind is pretty busy. Awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah, I believe so. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, thank You're you welcome. Very, very much. Uh, best thank of luck you. to everybody out there. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.